0: Number seven, Stan Phillips. In the day we sweat out on the streets of a runaway American dream. At night we wreck the mansions of glory and suicide. Happy opening day, fans of the Metropolitans. How we doing? What a great Thursday. It's rainy in the New York area. I'm sure it's raining in D.C. The good news is they're going to get that opener in, it looks like, in D.C. Uh, Originally scheduled 4 o'clock. It's now going to be a 7.05 start. So we're beginning the countdown to the 2022 New York Met baseball season. It's finally here. And as the rotation is similar to today's game start. It's been pushed back a little. We know DeGrom is shelved. Uh, Max Scherzer will not be going today, but Buck Showalter made it official on Wednesday afternoon when he made Tyler McGill the official opening day starter for the game against the Nationals tonight. With DeGrom dealing with stress reaction in his scapula and Max Scherzer likely to start Friday's game as he recovers from a minor hamstring issue, It will indeed be the 26-year-old McGill making his first career opening day start. It should be special. Uh, And as you know, listening to this podcast, I'm a big fan of McGill. I think he can handle the workload, and I think he's going to be with us for quite some time. The man has some stuff. Uh, The good thing for Showalter is, with DeGrom out and Scherzer being pushed back a day, he did have some guys to choose from. Uh, and they're going to have to make some decisions on Scherzer, which they did. They'll probably pitch him more And Taiwan Walker, who got lit up on his last start on Tuesday to close out the exhibition season, they still have some way to go as far as making decisions. Uh, they have three or four guys they feel comfortable. They feel comfortable running out there. Uh, and McGill will become just the third different Mets opening day starter over the last six seasons. Jake has gotten the last three opening starts, with Syndergaard getting the last two before that in 17 and 18. And McGill, he's got the poise and composure of a veteran, and he's stoic as always, and he said he's excited, it's going to be fun, he's ready to go. It's just another game, and he's ready to go. Uh, and thankfully for the Mets, it, the start actually fell right into the slot where he's throwing lines up with opening day. So they chose him. I still say he's the best candidate, but things aligned for him as far as his time to pitch anyway. Now, McGill made his Major League debut last June, joining a Met rotation that needed all the depth it could get. The right-hander was a revelation over his first 11 starts. He pitched with 3.21 ERA with 50 strikeouts and 15 walks over 56-point innings of work. And he was a pleasant surprise. He was one of the highlights. Although his numbers trailed off after his 11 starts as his innings really started to add up, uh, he still had a solid season, though. He finished with a 4.52 ERA over his 89.2 innings of work. Now, McGill getting the opening day start certainly wasn't what the Mets envisioned for rotation, including DeGrom and Scherzer. But Walter is pleased that the team had a strong option like McGill ready to step in. And he knows that dealing with injuries, no matter the time of the season, is a huge part of the game. So the Mets are going to have to deal with it. This is their first test. And what a test it is. And I can't wait. Uh, I think this is going to be a special year. And the Mets really can't be panicking over their rotation. you got to remember, it's a 162-game schedule. Uh, pitchers are always going to go down. Uh, we're in that era now where the pitchers are more throwers than pitchers, and Uh, it just, the arm isn't built for that over duration. You don't see the Tom Seaver, Bob Gibson types anymore. So with the Grom mount until June 1st, uh, a lot of people, including myself, had our doubts and I was a little depressed about it, but you know, you give a few days to think about it and things won't be that bad. And Scherzer, luckily it's only a hamstring, hamstring hiccup for him and, uh, it looks like the knee issue that Walker had on Tuesday isn't going to be that big a deal. Now, as always, the Met fans panic a little bit, and it's understandable. Uh, we're emotional and at times irrational. And Met fans have been scarred by recent seasons that have been derailed by injuries, so it's not like we're speaking from experience. But what the Mets are going through right now is not a nightmare. The sky is not falling, fans. The sky could fall. That's always a, a possibility. This is the case for every team in the sport, with the exception of perhaps the Dodgers, whose depth is laughably good. Dodgers is still the horse here. It should also be noted that when it comes to the Mets' ideal 28-man roster, they are expected to enter the season with 27 of the 28 players who were initially projected to be on it. The only thing missing will be the Grom. Now, when it comes to the Mets and the current state of rotation, nuance is needed, as is a look back at what happened last season, especially in the second half, and why this is different. That Scherzer had not been briefly bothered by a hamstring issue that was always viewed as minor. Odds are that the level of concern right now among fans would not be nearly as high as it is. And what Scherzer now expects to pitch Friday appears the issue is about to be behind him if it isn't already. As far as Walker, he said Tuesday that the knee he's dealing with as a result of a lot of recent work on his mechanics and lower half, and he expects to make his first regular season start his schedule. Now, aside from the recent hysteria over Scherzer and Walker, there was some shouting about the Mets potentially resorting to a bullpen game on opening day. And originally, that's what I thought they might be doing. Uh, But even if they decided to, it wouldn't have been because of a lack of depth. It would have been to keep everyone on schedule. Now, here's the pitching depth on the Mets is what it looks like as far as rotation is concerned. You got Scherzer 1, Bassett 2, Carrasco 3, Walker 4, McGill 5. And then you got Peterson and Trevor Williams after that. This is a lot different from last season. Carrasco, of course, missed the first four months of last season, while Peterson missed the last three months. McGill was an afterthought until midseason, season Williams was a trade deadline acquisition. And there are there concerns about some of the above pitchers? Sure. But, again, you can find concerns with pretty much any team in the league except the Dodgers. For a reminder of the starting pitching, and I don't want to bring back bad memories, friends, but... Remember the Mets situation last year and where they found themselves, especially in the second half? Let's look at some of the pitchers who started games for them, not including the bullpen games. Jared Eichhoff, Robert Stock, Robert Gazelbin, Corey Oswald, Jordan Yamamoto. I bet a lot of you forgot these guys, and there's probably a good reason why. To reiterate, the beginning of the season is not the second half of last season. That's not only because of Scherzer, but because of Bassett who will for now slide into the number two spot behind Scherzer with DeGrom out. For the first six to eight weeks of the season, the Mets will have Scherzer and Bass at the top of the rotation instead of DeGrom and Scherzer. And as noted above in all the comments I've made so far, the depth behind the two is a hell of a lot better this season than it was last season. The enormous question mark obviously revolves around DeGrom. Specifically, when will he return, and what kind of production can be expected of him? Now, people have spoke to the Grom surgeon, and the main takeaway is that recovery was by far the most likely outcome, and that the Grom's philosophy and command should be unaffected. Now, if the un- unthinkable scenario occurs where the Grom can't make it back this season, the Mets will very likely turn to the trade market for reinforcements. But for right now, the Mets are just fine in a starting rotation. And even without the Grom at the moment, they still have what it takes to be highly competitive and what should be a very tough NL East. And you have to remember, not only do three division winners get in, but there's three wild cards. And honestly, it's very hard to think of like six other teams better than the Mets in the National League. So if all goes well, we'll make the playoffs. The question is, will we actually play the Atlanta Braves? That remains to be seen. Now, the beautiful thing about opening day is we get to talk about an actual series. It's not like exhibition baseball. We play one team every different day, a different team every day. The Astros, the Nationals, teams that aren't even in our league. Now we get down to the nitty gritty. We're talking about the series against the Nationals. Now the Nationals have fallen on some hard times and on paper we should do okay this series, but no series you take for granted. But some of the things to look forward to in this series, Max Scherzer's debut. This will be the first time he's going as the Met ace, and he will be the Met ace for the next six to eight weeks until DeGrom comes back and then they become 1-1-A. Now, Scherzer being the ace, we're going to have to be concerned about his hamstring issue. And it's going to be an electric moment. It's are facing his old team tomorrow night, so I'm sure there's going to be a lot of buzz in D.C. about the game. So that should be fun. And how he looks in his first start, even if he goes, it's going to be a good witness test to see how the Mets are going to handle this after the loss of DeGrom. And given how he looked most of the spring training and how his stamina already is, his expectation is, and my expectation of him is, he should be dominant. Uh, now, this year we have the DH. What's going to go on with the Mets as far as the DH is concerned? And I'm so glad the Mets didn't trade Dominic Smith, despite having the talks with the Padres. And they didn't trade J.D. Davis, despite Davis himself feeling after the least, last season that he may be on his way out. Then there's also Robinson Cano, who's been hitting the ball pretty well towards the end of spring training. Uh, he's expected to be mostly a bench player with Jeff McNeil at second base. So that means even with the DH, the Mets have a plethora of bats. Who could be a possible DH? And I'm not complaining. It's always good when you have more than less. And with De- Smith and Davis not having natural lefty-righty splits, it'll be fascinating to see how the Mets utilize this DH spot. Now, the big, big thing as far as position players concerned, are concerned as far as I look at things is Francisco Lindor. Can he hit the ground running? We can't afford to have him get off to the slow two months he had last year. He was one of the Mets hottest hitters in spring training, which of course means nothing. But he looked pretty comfortable at the plate, hitting the ball with authority while smashing four homers. Now, how Lindor looked at the plate in spring training was similar to look, the look he had at the plate from June through the end of the season, so it could be a continuation of where he left off last year. And it shouldn't be a surprise if Lindor is a beast at the plate all season. However, it will be important for Endor, who struggled badly early on last season and recently said that his adjustment to New York was not the easiest to get off to a good start. Now, who plays center field? It appears that Brandon Nimmo will be manning center field most days instead of Starling Marte, which is a bit of a surprise. But like I said, I looked at the numbers defensively. The metrics showed that Nimmo is the better center fielder. I know it's hard to believe because Marte looks like a horse out there. But Nimmo may just be doing the job, but not as pretty. Uh, the level of surprise is not a slide on Limo, with defensive metrics in his favor over Marte, and that's basically based on last season's performance. Uh, but the big question mark is Marte in right field. It's going to be a position he's learning on the fly. That's why the Mets haven't fooled around with him. They keep him out there in right field the whole time. So if Nimmo is indeed in center field and Marte in right, it will be interesting to watch. Now, can the Mets take advantage of the Nats' starting pitching? The Mets will be facing Patrick Corbin on opening day, and Corbin was brutal last season with a 5.82 ERA and a 1.46 whip in 31 starts. That's not the Corbin they were looking at when they signed him to a long-term free agent contract. Now, the Nets have an, an rotation beyond Corbin, I should say, but with Steven Strasburg still recovering from thoracic outlet surgery, their other pitchers against the Mets will likely come from a group of Paolo Espino, Annabelle Sanchez, Eric Fed, Josiah Gray, and Austin Voth. Not exactly household names, are they? So uh, the advantage has to be the Mets in this series, and let's hope we can do some damage. Now, what can we expect from the Mets this season? Well, there's a lot of question marks, mostly on the positive side, I think. Uh, but it could be a bumpy ride filled with injuries, uh, starting with Exhibit 1, Jacob deGrom. And uh, it's going to be tough taking over the Braves, uh, the World Series champions in their own division. Uh, but, I, again, I, these are all hypothetical. It usually takes a team 88 wins to be have the sixth best record in any league. Uh To win the division this year in the competitive NL East, I think it'll take like 92, 93. And I certainly think the Mets are capable of both. So yes, we will be playoff bound, uh, but it's going to be one hell of a race. Uh, I think it's a two-team race between the Mets and the Braves. And we'll see what the Phillies can do. The Phillies have a great offensive lineup. I was watching them against Tampa Bay yesterday in the last preseason game of the year, and they were pounding the ball all over the place. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what transpires there uh, with their pitching and their defense. is just horrendous. They got a lot of DHs playing out in the outfield. So, again, I think Phillies could be a thorn in the side, but I don't think they'll be a division winner. I think two division winners are the candidates to win the division are the Braves and the Mets. And it'll be interesting to see who does win it. The Mets have as good a chance as the Braves, so stay tuned. You like how he made a commitment there? being the Met fan I am, I'm going to say the Mets are going to finish in first. Okay, now it's time to celebrate some Met birthdays as we always do. On this date in 1933, Joe Hicks was born. On this date in 69, former Met pitching coach Ricky Bonus was born. And on this date in 1980, Vinny Rotino was born. There were a few transactions on this date in Met history. Uh, on this date in 1983, the Mets signed Quint Hurdle, uh, Remember, Clint Hurdle was, like, one of the most prized prospects in baseball. He even uh, made the cover of Sports Illustrated. Never really developed into the player everyone thought he would be. did have a respectful Major League career and uh, became a pretty good manager after his playing days were ended. Now, the Mets signed free agent Bob Gibson. No, not that Bob Gibson. The other Bob Gibson on April seventh, 1987. And on this date, the Reds claimed Pete Chorek. I liked Pete. Uh... Thought he had potential, uh, did what he had to do on those weak Mets teams, and uh, the Reds claimed him in 1994. And on this date in 2010, the Mets claimed Nelson Figueroa of the Mets. And uh, Figgy, who went on to become a SNY analyst, but there was some friction between him and SNY, where he was, I think, all fired. Uh, but now he has something to do with one of the maybe the teams in Staten Island or whatever not sure if he's a manager or a pitching coach, what have you. But Nelson is still around the area in minor league baseball. Uh, And remember his feature, getting figgy with it on SNY? Well, it's his birthday today. And now we're going to go to the Met trivia and Jeopardy question of the day. A lot of you who uh, write to me... uh, Send me emails at p-h-i-l-s-t-a-n-4-1 at gmail.com. Say, this is your favorite feature, and I really do appreciate it. Uh, hope you're enjoying it. I know I enjoy it. And if you're listening and you're not a member of the group New York Mets Baseball Way of Life, please do join if you're on Facebook. It's a great, great group, great people, and great Mets content on there every day. And if you are listening to this podcast and are not subscribing to the podcast, please do subscribe. We come up with a new episode, or whatever the kids call them in podcast land, every day, uh, 365 days a year. So check us out, will you? Uh, We're fun. We're fun. Uh, And the good thing about that is you're alerted every day. You're alerted every day when a new one comes up. So please do join uh, the subscription list to the podcast. Now, today's Met Trivia question today is, in 1973, Met outfielders Don Hahn and George Theodore smashed into each other in what is considered the most memorable outfield collision in team history. Which Atlanta Braves player hit the ball? That's today's trivia question. Now, today's Jeopardy. Can you hear the Jeopardy music in the background as we're getting ready? I can. Two clues traded with Randy Marshall by the Detroit traded with Randy Marshall by the Detroit Tigers to the Mets in exchange for Mark Carrion and Tony Castillo on January 1992, and he wore number 45 as a Met. Those are your two trivia questions for the day. Uh, Two Jeopardy clues, I should say, for the day. So check them out, and we'll be back at the end of the podcast, as always, to tell you what the answers are. Now today's topics in a group that we're talking about? Well, today we talk about 1970 on this date. After eight consecutive opening day defeats, the Mets finally win the first game of the season by beating the Pirates at Forbes Field in 11 innings 5-3. to three. New York becomes the first team to have won a World Series before winning a season debut. And then, of course, they went on that unbelievable run of winning opening days after that. And on this day in 2006, It was an historic day. It was the Mets' 7,000th game. And they beat the Nationals at Chase Stadium 10-5. Now, the Amazons have compiled a 3,314 win total at this point and 3,678 loss total at this point for a winning percentage of 474, along with eight ties during their 42 years of existence. So, oh... Every day is an historic day in Met history. When you get to 60 years old as a franchise, there's some great moments there all the time. Uh, We reminisced in the group about Bartolo Colon getting the start in 2015 on opening day over to Grom and uh, Syndergaard. And he was very, and Met Harvey, and he was very successful. Uh, A lot of people just excited the fact that it is opening day and posting about that in the group. Then we listed the opening day starters for the Mets over the years, and here they are. 2011, Mike Pelfrey. 2012, Johan Santana. 2013, John Neese. 2014, Dylan G; 2015, Bartolo Colon. 2016, Matt Harvey. 16 uh, was Matt Harvey. 17 and 18 were Syndergaard. 19, 20, and 21 were DeGrom. And today we have Tyler McGill. Then we... Gave you a little bit of statistical information on the Grapefruit League. Uh, Starling Marte led the Mets in batting average 429. Dom Smith OBP 531. Slugging percentage Dom Smith 846. Francisco Endor, four homers and 11 RBIs he also had to lead the team. Tyler McGill had 0.00 ERA and Colin Halderman at 14 Ks. So, uh, It'll be interesting that we noted that JD Davis against Patrick Corbin over the years is bad 3.45 with a 406 on base percentage and 8.62 uh OPS against him with four homers and three doubles in 32 plate appearances. We stated who are the met home run leaders in met history, why it's Todd Hundley with four followed by Strawberry Piazza and Wright with three. And who has pitched the mo- who has had the most strikeouts as a pitcher on met opening day. Why? None other than Pedro Martinez with 12 in 2005, followed by Jacob DeGrom with 10 in 2019, and Noah Syndergaard with 10 in 2018. Now, the all time record for hits by a Met player on opening day is four. Six players accomplished that Richie Hebner in 79, Dallas Strawberry and Kevin McReynolds in 88, Jeff Kent in 94, Todd Hunley in 95, and Xavier Nagy in 2006. And what Met pitchers have had the fewest appearances as a Met pitcher before making an opening day start? Coming in today, Tom Seavers third with 35, Bobby Jones second with 33, and Dwight Gooden first with 31. And Tyler McGill is going to smash that with 18 today. And don't forget, we mentioned that today's game is starting at 7.05. So that is what's going on in the group. So get in there, participate, and get in there and join. Uh, we'd be love to have you. We'd be loving to have you, I should say. Now it's time for the answers to the Met Trivia and Jeopardy question of the day. Who's ready? See, you raise a hand. Oh, all of you are ready. That's what I want to see. I like it when everyone's ready. Ready, set, go, man, go. Remember that song? old rock and roll classic, probably before all of us were born. Well, the Met trivia question was, on this date in 1973, on not this date, but in 1973, Met outfielders Don Hahn and George Theodore smashed into each other and was considered the most memorable outfield collision in team history. Which Atlanta Braves player hit the ball? Well, the correct answer is Ralph Garr. Congrats to our trivia whiz, Kareem Hayward, on being the first to get that one right. And our two Jeopardy! clues were... Traded with Randy Marshall by the Detroit Tigers to the Mets in exchange for Mark Carrion and Tony Castillo in January 1992. And he also wore number 45 as a Met. The correct response is, who is Paul Gibson? So... Again, thanks for all participating, and congrats to Jason and Kareem, two of our most knowledgeable fans in the group. And uh, please do check out our Trivia and Jeopardy question every day. Please participate and check out the group. And tomorrow we will be talking about opening day, everything that happened today, everything leading up to it, opening day itself, and what else is going on in Metland. So check us out tomorrow. So I'm going to sign off now, as always. Wishing you a very happy day and a very happy opening day. And let's hope this Mets season is good for you and for the Mets themselves. And let's enjoy it. Take care, fans and uh, group members and brothers and sisters. Whatever. You're all family to me. We'll talk to you later on tomorrow.